Everything is just like your opinion, man. Careful, man. There's a beverage here. <laughs> They're going to kill that poor woman, man. That rug really tied the room together. This is a very complicated case. A lot of ins, a lot of outs, a lot of what have yous. <laughs> Smokey, this isn't Nam. This is bowling. There are rules here. Alright guys, strap on your bowling shoes and watch out for those nihilists as we take a nice, chill, and relaxing sip of what looks like a white Russian, but is actually film on the rocks. (laughs) I was very proud of that intro. (laughs) I like it. (laughs) Love it, love it. Welcome to Film on the Rocks, guys. I'm Levi, and I'm joined by a very, very special guest. His name is Brooker. How are you, Brooker? You want to do this every time? All right. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. It's one of the hosts, Brooker. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He's He is a, as frequent, even more frequent than I am. But we are actually joined by a very special guest, a good friend of, of Brooker's and someone who suggested this episode. His name is Chris. Chris, how are you? I'm good. You know, y'all are even lucky that I picked up the phone because I'm Shober Shabbos. And I don't, I don't pot on Shabbos. <laughs> Love it. Oh my gosh, this is going to be such a good episode. I know it. <laughs> and today with this amazing cast and crew, we are doing the 1998 film by the Coen brothers, The Big Lebowski. Whoa. This movie is an absolute classic. Uh, I had never seen it before this moment, and good gravy if this is not just a wild ride of a movie. Uh, you guys have a little bit more of experience in this film, but as I did some some research into this movie, I'm realizing how, like I said, cult classic, how much of a cult classic this movie actually is. Like, this movie has festivals, this movie <laughs> has shops and stores in a, in a bunch of different cities. This movie started a religion called dudism i had no idea that was a thing it's called dudism my cousin is a dudist priest wait really are you serious oh my god he got ordained he got ordained last summer whoa that was that was the that's the reason i put that quote the quote of everything is just like your opinion man that's like their mantra that's their motto of their faith and I was this blew me oh my gosh dude i cannot believe you actually know someone who's a dudist priest (laughs) <laughs> that makes this yeah, so man. much better oh my gosh can you tell me do you know anything else about the faith um i know that it's kind of like a mix between taoism and just totally chill outism mm. and um as a dudist priest you are ordained to uh you can like marry somebody you can you can officiate a wedding in certain states that's that amazing incredible that is amazing uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> clearly this movie has an effect on a lot of people like i said directed by the coen brothers they did movies like uh, oh brother, where art thou? Which I love. No country for old man. Uh, mm-hmm. Old men, which I love. I haven't seen True Grit, but that's another big famous one. Uh, that one's good. This movie, for on the uh, Rotten Tomatoes, has an eighty-two percent, but the audience score is a ninety-four percent. So I feel like somewhere in that range. Honestly, in my opinion, it was. Uh, it feels right. I, I, when yeah. I finished, I said it was probably like a ninety-three, ninety-four. So that feels about right. Uh, I want to start with. Honestly, okay, I'm going to save the best for last again for this one. I'm going to start with Brooker because I'm really excited to hear what Chris has to say about this movie, considering he suggested it. Brooker, what's your history, your relationship with this movie? 
my relationship with this movie is Chris always telling me I need to see this. Um, <laughs> uh, this and another guy I work with, he is a big fan of this movie as well. So I this this was my first time watching it for the podcast, and this movie was fantastic. It was so I was just laughing the whole time. This movie mm-hmm. is just great, and I, it was such such a joy. Good, great suggestion by uh, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man, this is uh, this is probably like one of my top two favorite movies of all time. I, I can't even I can't even tell you how many times I've seen it. Um, this was a a movie that we watched a lot in college that I remember my dad telling me to check out because he thought I would like it, and it was actually um, on the very first date I had with my uh, fiance. We did a dinner and a movie. At her apartment, we we cooked dinner and we watched The Big Lebowski because I knew if uh, if I couldn't date a woman that didn't like The Big Lebowski, uh-huh. you know, <laughs> it, was, it would be a major point. So you like <laughs> you watch the movie on the first date as like a you know what if she doesn't like it I'll I'll end it right now and if she likes it then we have a shot. Yeah, you know it's it's a yardstick, uh, but of course she loved it. <laughs> <laughs> fantastic oh my gosh chris i i love that dude that's so funny that uh i oh my gosh i just i just can't believe it uh we should oh, we also I, give a thanks to courtney yes yes i didn't know if, if uh, chris had any more at, to add oh to sorry it, no, no 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 go, go ahead. ahead no uh, courtney's courtney's a star yeah shout out to, <laughs> to courtney too who was the other person that suggested this video it's she said that it's uh, her f- actually her favorite movie. It's super quotable, and she says it's a snapshot of just how ornery things can get. And is also that the Big Lebowski is like a super chill person. She calls it how she uh, says it's a good representation of how life is just batshit crazy, but also mundane. I feel like that is exactly what <laughs> this movie is: is that it is so mundane, but it's also batshit crazy. Uh, she gave us yeah. a few drinking rules, which yeah. we'll touch on here in a second, but. Uh, what I, I'm curious, Chris. You said it's one of your top two movies of all time. What is the other movie? Inglorious Bastards. Oh my gosh, uh, Broker, is that choice. why you watch you watched that the other day, didn't you? Yes, but that was because of a failed experiment. Uh, I tried to do like a fun thing with our listeners and watch Max Keeble's Big Move and have like a mm. live movie thread on our subreddit. Well, Disney Plus lied, and Max Keeble's Big Move is not on there, so. I didn't want to make people rent it just to be in the live discussion thread. So right. we pulled a complete 180, went to Netflix, and Inglorious Bastards was there. And we're like, all right, we're just watching Inglorious Bastards tonight, people. So <laughs> I still haven't seen it. I need to see it. But I did find... Uh, that's I a watched, fantastic movie. Fantastic. I watched Matt Ke- Max Keeble's Big Move this morning. I found it on HBO, if you can believe it. It's on HBO. Which Whoa. is now free. So thank you. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. HBO. Uh, let's go ahead and dive into those drinking rules. Um, yes. because I feel like this, uh, there's just so much, this is one of those movies where it, it feel they have the style of a lot of reoccurring themes and mm-hmm. callback jokes and things like that. Um, I want, I'm going to see, Chris, can you start this one off? Because I, I, this might be a bad idea because I feel like you'll put Brooker and I to shame, but I really, we'll just, we'll just power <laughs> hit right at the beginning. Right, so this is a movie that I have drank a lot too. <laughs> <So, laughs> that feels right. That feels right. It's it's kind of like you know you could pick so many rules and it's be very highly intoxicating, uh, but I tried to go off of uh, just some some things that came to me while I was watching it the other day, uh, you know, for like the fiftieth time. Mm. So, 
Um, first one I had was anytime Donnie asks a question. Oh, man. It's a good one. Because they're all stupid. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anytime someone is called a nihilist or nihilism is mentioned. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I like it. And, yeah, because, like, recurring theme you talked about. Um, I also like anytime the dude corrects someone for calling him Lebowski. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's good. That happens uh, a lot. And anytime. Yeah, it does. <laughs> of course, anytime he says, it really tied the room together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yep. And then um, I want you to drink anytime uh, Sam Elliott is is being voiceover or he's like talking to the dude oh the stranger that'd be the narrator the stranger yeah i'm telling you sam elliott is one of has one of those voices that's like the what could have been what morgan freeman is but he just kind of got pushed to the side a little bit because morgan freeman has such that iconic voice i could hear sam elliott tell me literally anything like read me the dictionary i don't know sam elliott is like morgan freeman if he lived in the mountains his whole life (laughs) <laughs> that's exactly right that is exactly right that's really good i like it good rules man now, those right. are solid good rules man good rule man <laughs> uh brooker what about you my friend what are your drinking rules? all right i john goodman was one of my favorite parts of this movie mm-hmm. and so a couple of my rules kind of center around him or his character uh, walter but my first rule was um, drink every time Walter yells at Donnie for interrupting th- their conversation. Mm-hmm. That happens. I just I just cracked up every time. He's just like, shut the fuck up, Donnie. There's, <laughs> you <can't>. <laughs> <laughs> You're out of your element here. <laughs> <laughs> Pay attention. Jesus. Oh, gosh. I loved it. it he, he was just so quick tempered. I love it. Um, my second drinking role is whenever Walter mentions uh, Nam. Uh, uh-huh. Dad drank, uh-huh. oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is really funny because me, my re- I didn't realize Chris was telling me that you'll realize how much of your day to day life is like rooted or in reference to something from this movie. And me and some of my roommates in college, we would always like just kind of like jokingly talk about, oh yeah, back in Nam, like we had to do this, wherever, just as a joke. Yeah, and so like I don't know, I just it was just a big laugh every time that came up for me. Yeah. Um, Whenever I loved uh, Philip, my third drinking rule, I loved uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman in this. He was branded. He was kind of like the the butler or whatever for Big Lebowski. Yeah, he was really funny. Uh, so I had drink whenever he specifically calls uh, calls uh, like Jeff Bridges his character. Whenever he calls him dude, because mm-hmm. I don't know why, but just hearing him say dude was really funny for me. And so mm-hmm. drink whenever he says dude. Was this? Was uh, he in any other movies before this one? Because I mean, he became huge. Uh, is this? I'm sure he. I was. didn't look at. You know what? I, I while you're doing your other drinking rules, I'll look at the IMDb. All right, you do that. Uh, we'll be back for that Philip Seymour Hoffman update. Huh. Uh, my my fourth drinking rule is whenever the dude unintentionally exposes his belly button, mm. there's like <laughs> that's a good one. There's like several it's times so where he just like good. lays out and like his belly button just like becomes like at least halfway exposed or something. So I was just like, man, nothing fits him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> then my last that. drinking rule was um, just because I simply just love all the bowling scenes, just drink whenever they cut to them in the interior of the bowling alley nice i i can't really find 
he's in a couple roles before or a few roles before 1998, but this was such a small role. I just expect Philip Seymour Hoffman to be the most prominent person in the situation. We had a lot of big stars in this one. Uh, Jeff yeah. Bridges, John Goodman, good. Julianne Moore, Steve Buscemi. So, Tara Reid was weird. To oh see my in this, gosh, yeah. yeah. This is there's a lot of, of heavy hitters yeah. in this one. I, the Coen Brothers can pull a lot of talent for sure. Um, <laughs> we had a couple overlaps from my drinking rules. Um, I had anytime someone refers to uh, the dude or uh this is okay so here's this is there's i'll give you the expert rules but i also have like the easy rules so this is the this will this will hurt you if you but you know tread tread lightly the dude or man anytime uh the dude calls himself or someone refers to him as the dude or he says man that's kind of expert expert mode let's put like a a hundred of those yeah yeah take a drink every time easier mode would be anytime (laughs) take a drink of water right yeah yeah (laughs) uh the easy mode would be anytime someone mentions the rug uh, in some capacity, oh, okay. so that would be that, that's still pretty frequent, but it's maybe that's medium level. Um, anytime the dude makes a white Russian, take a drink. That oh, happens yeah. quite a few times. Um, I also had Vietnam. Anytime Vietnam is mentioned or talked about, uh, I I had finish your drink uh, on the scene where John Goodman shakes out Steve Buscemi's ashes. <laughs> and it gets all over him and the dude's just Jeff Bridges just standing there and it gets all over his glasses and in his beard he's like oh sorry dude uh, and it's very casual so just that's that is, it just, that's probably the funniest moment of the whole you can you can feel the movie it's near the end so it's fine you can feel the movie just come to a grinding halt in that moment and it just everyone kind of sits and you laugh in the moment but Finish what, however much drink you have left, finish it in that level. And poor Donnie. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Just pour out for pour Donnie. Pour out for Donnie. <laughs> and my last one, and there's there's a story behind it. So drink every time someone interrupts somebody else. Okay. I, y'all, it was so frustrating. I was so frustrated watching this movie. I could feel myself getting frustrated every time Donnie would be like, would jump in halfway and oh yeah, which is that that's one of my that is one of my favorite scenes where it's like you know what john lennon said he goes i'm the walrus i'm 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 the walrus <laughs> i could not like i felt so i like walter that, was so, so frustrated is it like a waterfall for your role during the whole i am the uh, walrus you bit? know what i honestly probably should be just waterfall for ev- just whenever john lennon and i'm the walrus starts to get mentioned but like Walter was really frustrating a lot of the times with his constant bringing everything back to himself, being like, listen, I want a cup of coffee. I fought in Vietnam. You know what I did in Vietnam? And he goes off. Like, that was a little (laughs) bit much. But, like, the constant interruptions from Donnie, which at the very end it made me feel bad because the poor guy was just trying to – trying to stay included and he kept like getting pushed to the side and he the poor guy passed away but um in the moment i was just like this is driving me insane just <laughs> let the man finish talking and then say hey sorry I, I was wasn't in the conversation i'm now just jumping in what were you guys saying so sorry i was throwing rocks like what are y'all sorry. doing it <laughs> was in my own head so i had anytime someone interrupts somebody else take a drink that's a good one i like that those are pretty good. I like those drinking rules. Um, I so here's what what did uh what rules did Courtney oh, that's have? That's right. Thank you, Brooker. I almost I almost scooted right on by that one. 
Can't forget I about can't Courtney. Forget about Courtney. She and Chris expose us to this magnificent I know, I movie. Can't, I we can't gotta... forget about Courtney. I really can't. She said, um, "I'm not sure your uh, <laughs> sure your goal for the drinking game, but you could drink every time someone says dude, or every time something to do with bowling happens." Uh, so that I mean, that there's a lot of good bowling stuff in this. So <laughs> yeah, this is. Yeah, I like the uh, the close up bowling ball shots are always which always apparently oh, I got dizzy during which one of apparently them. those oh right the one where you're in the hole and it's and it's flipping over yeah, oh, yeah I was cat had to stop cat had to look away she goes I'm going to throw up like this is cool but this is I looked dizzy. I had to look away for that one too but apparently a lot of those bowling shots were really really difficult according to the Cohen brothers yeah. like it was a super duper difficult shot to make. Um, Hmm. Yeah, they said they had to make like this uh, remote control car with the camera on it and just like drive it down the lane. Dang! Oh, especially for 1998. That's some that's some pretty pretty hefty camera work. I gotta say. I wonder. I wonder if like today they would just use a drone, like just like have a drone flying in there, just kind of like hovering over it instead of like the remote control car. I don't or, know. Like those things they have at like NFL yeah. stadiums. Like yeah, or at least like a GoPro, like some sort of high-tech GoPro that you could just hang from the inside. I don't know, oh, yeah. but it was that they were really, really good shots. It's kind of uh, it was a, it was a good movie all around. Um, so I okay, <laughs> this movie for me was one of those movies where throughout the whole the whole time I couldn't decide if I loved this movie like. It, it feels like it's one of those movies. I think it's somewhere in the middle. Like I said at the beginning, it kind of settles in like the 82, 94 movie, 94% movie. This movie feels like it's like it's a really, really good movie. But there was no, like I couldn't, I couldn't rest, I couldn't rest my head anywhere. You know what I'm saying? Like it was just, it wasn't a fast paced film, but they were all, there was always something new. Does that make sense? Things you, just Yeah, happened. they just kept happening, but it wasn't like a fast paced movie. It just kept going and going and going kind of like what Courtney was saying where it was so mundane but it was just so insane all at the same time yeah it's just kind of like we're just like watching this this you know super kind of laid back bum of a guy just he's been thrown into all like these serious situations but he doesn't really care about any of it he just wants to get his rug right. you know and so, right and there's I was thinking, you know, there's like five different threads or something, but none of them are connected besides the dude is somehow just like the the nexus of all this, but like they're not connected to like the other threads. Like nobody's really in cahoots with anyone else in this. Yeah, he's kind of like that fulcrum in the middle of the film. My my question for y'all, and this this I I don't want this to sound too cheesy or, or strange, but like what about this movie? makes it a good movie like what what i just i honestly can't put my finger like the acting is good the the i mean the 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 scenes are fine like what can you just put attack in the exact spot of like what about this movie makes it so amazing i'm going to say the dialogue i mean the i mean the dialogue and just just the the wacky situations they're in you know because if you know say like the dude you know and he's trying to talk to walter about like what are we going to do about rescuing this girl that's a host this you know that they're keeping hostage whatever uh bunny right. 
and it's just it's just it's just the dialogue and they're all like, they're gonna kill that poor woman man you know if this was like not a comedy this would be like a way more serious dis- discussion and it i mean like it would have been something you've seen in, like other dramatic things before in, you know any sort of action movie that deals with hostage situations but since this is a comedy and this is it, it's like it's it's like the stakes are very high but they're not treating it like they're high i don't know it's 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 i don't know i found that funny what about you chris like what was what kind of stuck out for you so i agree the dialogue is definitely a, a big reason that this movie is what it is but for me, I think it's just because it kind of flips the hero narrative ah. completely on its head. Because mm. if you think about the, the dude's mission in the film, from start, it is just to get mm-hmm. a rug. You know? Mm-hmm. And if you think of it in terms of like when he goes and talks to the Big Lebowski and then he lies to Philip Seymour Hoffman's character about getting any rug in the house, yeah. he's done. Like, he has fulfilled his destiny as far as he's concerned. (laughs) And then from the entire rest of the movie, shit just happens to him. And he has nothing to do with it. You know? Mm -hmm. Like, they call him back to go do, you know, do the handoff for the money. Maude brings him in to, you know, her studio and then makes a baby with him. And, like, he's just completely oblivious to everything. And he's just literally... He's the hero, but he doesn't even mm. know he's the hero, you know? <laughs> That's a good point. That's a really good point. I, I really like what, like what Chris had to say. And he's just kind of, Basically, they, they kind of, like, say at the beginning what who the dude is. He's, he's just a tumbleweed, you know? And we start off by watching a tumbleweed uh just mm-hmm. tumble uh in the desert and that's what this guy is he's just tumbling through all these different storylines that he has nothing to do with he doesn't want to be there but the wind's just blowing him there and he has to deal with it mm. exactly chris what yeah. uh, this is obviously a movie that's really important to you and your fiance congratulations by the way um <laughs> that i mean that's that's amazing like it's, it's it's a hard step to get to obviously but what what i i, I i'd hate to make you speak speak on her behalf but is there anything from her perspective that she is like is important to her that makes this such an important movie for her? Because this is a weird movie. Oh yeah, it's super weird. I think <laughs> I think it's just um, just that bond we can share together and we can talk about like make quotes with each other. And uh, I think we rewatched it this week. She basically was like, "This movie makes no sense at all, but I still love it." You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah i think it's just i think it's just the sheer just ridiculous of ridiculousness sorry i think it's just the sheer ridiculousness of the entire thing and that you know i love that she loves it and she loves that's that great. i love it. it it's sentimental i like that, that. Works. that's a great reason to love a movie uh and that's honestly how you said uh your fiance, your fiance was feeling about this at the end of it that like she she kind of d- didn't like get it but she knows she just knows that she loves it that's kind of how i felt like at the end of the movie i spent probably like a half hour just thinking about what's like you know what was the message of this movie and everything we could talk yeah. about that when we get to that segment but yeah this was it's one of those movies where like it just to me it felt like it just ended and we're like wait yeah. what 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 i felt like we didn't get too much resolution but after doing some thinking but yeah uh this it's a really funny, hilarious oh, yeah. movie. Um, 
with a lot oh, of yeah, that's that's the same thing it. for me, Brooker. I again, I, I'd love to get to the the meaning behind it here after we do scenes. But like, I was the same way. Where at the end, I was like, "What is the meaning behind this?" And I sat with it for like twenty four hours, and then it hit me like a ton of bricks. <laughs> and said, "Oh shoot, I know exactly what the meaning of this movie is." Uh, whether or not the co, uh, at least for me, at least, I'm very excited to talk about the meaning. That's like the biggest part of this for me. I'm real excited. <laughs> um, let's. I, I want to <laughs> jump into scenes. Um, because there's again. Uh, th- the uh, the whole spectrum of this movie, it this movie to me felt like one giant scene. There, it again, it just kind of kept flowing and flowing and flowing and flowing. But there is obviously different parts to this movie. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's start with Brooker this time. Brooker, do you have a favorite few scenes in this movie? Oh yeah, I definitely do. I just want to say I love how this movie starts. You know, besides us following the tumbleweed, which is you know just a a uh-huh. direct metaphor for uh-huh. who the dude is but i just love that we open up with him in the grocery store wearing a robe and i think he's wearing sunglasses too buying some yes. half and half and he he writes a check for 69 <laughs> cents to buy some half and half <laughs> fantastic i was just like all right this, this movie has oh, me yeah right especially <laughs> since the, the you have this this narration that is just rambly where it's like what was i talking about again i can't remember anyway the dude the dude's awesome. We love the dude. It's <laughs> great. I was just thinking, man. I've been I've been in those situations where I'm in the grocery store mm. in my pajamas, just looking like a bum, trying trying to get something. I was like, been there. There you go. <laughs> There's a question for you before you give any other scenes. What is if you were in the grocery store at shoot whatever time in the morning or at night, and you're in your pajamas, what are you probably getting? Beer. Beer. <laughs> oh, it's probably yeah. <laughs> You know it's probably beer or limes. limes. That's fair. You know what's funny? Whenever you, whenever he, I related a lot Frozen to him pizza. getting half and half. Because if I am at in the grocery store in my PJs, really late at night or really early in the morning, it's either for probably like bagels or like cr- like creamer or something <laughs> like that. Like I wake up and I'm just like, oh, I want some bagels. Ugh. Oh, I want to make some creamer. <laughs> Oh, I've got to get some creamer. Uh, it's, it's something just so minuscule, something so something that you really don't need in the day, but it's just he, the dude needed needed his half and half. His was for his white Russian, obviously, but uh, that's something that I could see the dude doing. That waking up, going, man, I just need some bagels, man. You I mean, know? probably <laughs> that's probably something that he said before. I, I would It'd really tie the breakfast together, man. <laughs> 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 oh chris that's so good oh my gosh chris do you have a do you have a favorite scene i kind of have a tie of my three favorite scenes three favorites three sorry do so it. we can we Lay can do us. a round robin and i can do one no but... man do it so i love the gutter balls music video mm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> where the dude has been drugged by Jackie Treehorn, uh, the pornographer, uh-huh. so that they can ransack his house. And in this dreamscape, he is doing like a porno music video with Maud, and it's set to Kenny Rogers singing, I just checked in to see what condition your condition was in. Uh-huh. And it's just so, it's so ridiculous. <laughs> he checks out his bowling shoes from Saddam Hussein. Right? <laughs> <laughs> just sit down yeah 
or as as Walter would call him, that camel fucker over in Iraq. Yeah, right. Right, <laughs> right, right yeah. No, that that whole thing is just fantastic. Um, and then um, I love the scene where they interrogate Larry for stealing the dude's car, and they're trying to get the briefcase back from him. Yeah, because they still at this point they still think it has a million dollars. Is this in what it, you want, so. Larry? Is this what you want? You see what happens? Yes. Oh, <laughs> and he comes out. He's, he's like, just... my car. He's like, oh, 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 gosh. Oh. <laughs> uh, he's like, I'll... see what happens when you fuck a man in the I'll ass, be... Larry. You see, see what happens what... when you fuck a stranger in the ass? Yeah. Uh, it's so good. It's just, it's so raucous. And then uh, we alluded to it. But... Uh, I love John Goodman. God, he has, he has such oh, good gosh. raw John Goodman is one of the most underrated actors it. in Hollywood, for sure. Absolutely. And then the aforementioned scene where uh, Donnie's ashes are being spread over the Pacific. Uh-huh. And, and Walter, in the middle of the eulogy, starts <laughs> ranting about Vietnam and all the men that died from Quezon to Hill 362. <laughs> <laughs> I know. He always seems to transfer into this whole, like, this, like, dearly beloved, we're here to honor Donnie as we also honor the troops. Uh, you know, it's like, okay. <laughs> he gave his life. Much like many men gave their lives. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so good. I get, gosh, John Goodman. Does he have an Oscar yet? I don't think he does. He's probably. I'm. Sh- he I'm sure one. he's been nominated, no, but yeah, that so. man needs a needs a, an award or something. I I agree with you, Chris. I love the uh, the the ashes scene and the uh, the uh, what I have in my notes as the Larry scene. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> the uh yeah those those two scenes are up there uh i also but probably my favorite part of this movie is the fact that the dude is just so comfortable in his own skin you know what i mean like he will go home and he's not like oh my gosh i just was at this this amazing mansion and i was just at this they offering me all this money all oh, i'm living in squalor i have nothing he just living his life like walks home the scene where he's taking a bath and he's got all these candles lit and he's just enjoying his home or he's he's drinking a or he's like laying on his on his rug and he's just listening to his to his little walkman to bob dylan i love it i love that i thought that (laughs) jeff bridges did an amazing job at just kind of showing what it looks like to just be content in whatever moment you happen to be living in i love that oh yeah absolutely that's i think that's one of the main draws of the film is that just being you being comfortable in who you are yeah yeah it's a it was just (laughs) so good jeff bridges definitely pulled that together also you know obviously the i am the walrus scene as i as already mentioned just was cackling that was on my notes page because usually when i'm watching the movies i got a notepad in front of me and i'll just jot something down I think on the on the top of my original notes, it just says, I am the walrus, underlined three times. <laughs> just Steve Buscemi, just, I am the walrus. I I'm, I'm the walrus. Shut the fuck up, Donnie. Yeah, it's I think great. a bonus uh, best scene of the movie would be John Totoro as the Jesus. Gosh. Which, just the, which I love. It's oh three gosh. minutes. It's amazing. It's this entire arc in the film over like three minutes. Where we find out that he was like an ex-con for pedophilia, and he <laughs> just 
Yeah. He exposed which himself I, to an eight-year-old. <laughs> which I don't know if... Like, I'm sure you guys recognize that his theme song is... I think it was I'm pretty Spanish, but it was Hotel California by by the Eagles, yeah, which... The, yeah. The dude... Covered by the Gypsy Kings. Yeah, which the dude despises, apparently. Just does not like the Eagles. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think that's funny because, you know, he's obviously... I think, like, they're... They're bowling alley adversaries. Oh so goodness, that, yeah. that you can check fits. out anytime you like, but you can never leave. Also, um, while we're uh, still talking about scenes, I just wanted to bring up, I love the whenever the dude goes to, the first couple times that the dude goes to Mr. Lebowski or the big Lebowski's house, and he's just dealing with uh, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's, yeah. uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's character. And there's when they're first in, introduced in, Hoffman's just trying to like show him all these awards and everything, and the dude just keeps interrupting him. You can just see Hoffman is just like dying a little bit on the inside because he can't finish a sentence. It's it's so great. And then you know we see they yeah. get outside and they're talking to Bunny, uh, Tara Reed, and she's just like offering. Trying to uh-huh. offer him fellatio for a thousand dollars, and but but hundred dollars for a for a Brandon to watch. He just goes magnificent. Like, <laughs> so he won't mind. What does he do? Oh, he's a nihilist. Sounds exhausting. Sounds exhausting. That's a good quote. That's a really, really good quote. That's a great one. What What would you guys say? So I also love the the constant reoccurrence of Sam Elliott, either his voice or him being on screen. Do you guys, I kind of took Sam Elliott to be uh, the dude's conscience or his, his subconscious or something like that. Is I figured that he was not really there and that the dude was kind of talking to his inner spirit. Does he, if, if that's not who he's supposed to be, who is Sam Elliott supposed to represent? Is it? Is it like the audience and maybe the audience that some people who appreciate the dude and what he does? I don't know. Dude, I, actually, that's a really good question. I guess I assumed he was kind of the audience like because he, he, he's the only one that breaks the fourth right. wall and he's talking directly to the right. camera. But if he is the dude's subconscious, then he's metaphysical. And so there's kind of there, the idea of a, of a wall doesn't really exist. So breaking the fourth wall on a metaphysical plane is more seems more appropriate. So I, I don't know. I just the, his kind of this nature of relaxed, tranquil, good with anything, kind of losing his train of thought, has this consistency. It's not white Russians. It's sarsaparilla or whatever he keeps ordering, and he does. And when hmm. he talks to the dude, he kind of he's talking both directly to the dude and to the audience yeah. in a weird way. Like where he's he's trying to cheer the dude up, and he says, "Sometimes you eat the bar, and sometimes the bar eats you." And the dude's just like, "Well, yeah, sure. mm. <laughs> yeah." But there's but there's no level of like, <laughs> okay, whatever, man. Like, catch you later. He's kind of like nods and is like, "Cool, all right, you know, have a good one," and just moves on. It feels I don't know. He's looking at Sam Elliott like there's something right about him i don't know if the the dude necessarily knows that that's his if it is his subconscious if he knows that it's his subconscious but there's this level of like they're different but they still kind of agree with each other like he's this kind of old western cowboy this Mm -hmm. kind of but he's very i don't know just thought that uh, he's sam elliott's character is the biggest mystery to me uh yeah it 
it, it is it, it's a real thinker i was talking to cat with it after the movie and i was like is he supposed to be like god or like huh. a guardian angel over him or is he oh just... he could be his guardian angel like i i don't know like i and i kind of thought like kind of what you said that maybe he's just his conscience and this is just him right right now we're at the end of the movie you know he he's kind of he solved the mystery with the the big lebowski and the hostage and everything and they've uh, spread donnie's ashes and everything mm-hmm. and so i wonder if this was him just kind of like internalizing his whole adventure i don't know mm-hmm. that's you know what yeah okay you you say that and it kind of is connecting in my head a little bit like the the actually you know what before we dive into that does anybody have any other scenes because i'm about to go on a crazy tangent right now <laughs> go for it. Man. Uh, so you, you say Sam Elliott, like maybe he's, is he God? Is he an angel? This movie, the more I sit with it, is an incredibly uh, biblical movie. Um, hmm. There is a oh yeah, Dudism, Dudism, obviously, uh, <laughs> a lot of religion in there. But the uh, the whole statement of the dude abides um, is oh. is actually from not the f- exact quote, the dude abides. It actually comes from, uh, it's it's a reference to scripture. It's a reference to, I, I had to look it up, because unfortunately I don't have the book of Ecclesiastes memorized. But it comes from Ecclesiastes <laughs> 1-4, depending on your translation. It's one generation passes away and another generation comes, but the earth abides forever. Uh, the book, the book huh. of Ecclesiastes, in a, in a very, very, very tight nutshell, is essentially like, life is meaningless people die people are born and no matter what happens the earth keeps turning and the earth yeah that's essentially what that verse means is the earth abides and it's it's essentially kind of uh it's it's a it's a ecclesiastes is one of the wisdom literatures and it and i'm again this i'm very i'm oversimplifies oversimplifying it it's one of the wisdom literatures kind of tied together with proverbs and job and and it's this it's sandwiched in between uh proverbs being like here's all the things that you should do to have a a, a healthy life and joe and and ecclesiastes being like hey even if you do good stuff shit still happens to you even if you do everything right hmm. people still try to screw you over because the world's coming to eat you and people die and there's nothing you can do about it and then Job is kind of the sandwich of this w- wisdom literature where you have this guy who's like wealthy and like worships the Lord and then Satan takes everything from him and then he's like God why did you do this and then God says because I'm God and you have no idea how this world works but then God just gives it all back to Job for some reason there's no like there's no oh he did something good and so he gets it all back so Ecclesiastes is kind of this book that is like we don't know like god is god and he just kind of does and what like i don't know how any how any of this works uh because people keep dying even though they are good people um so all that to say sam elliott is (laughs) maybe sam elliott is the dude's idea of god of this because sam elliott is the one that says the dude abides that uh, that's the guy who says it um Mm. no the dude oh i thought sam elliott said that well, I think yeah, he, Elliot well, repeats it. He's walking away. Yeah, he does. But he, when he's walking away after that, like last uh, pep talk at the end of the movie, he was like, "Well, oh, there you go." The okay. Well, he, well a- after he was talking with with Sam Elliot, that's still yeah. Okay. Good right. Cr- 
But I think your larger point still is it still stands because Sam Elliott's character is also a little mm-hmm. bit omniscient. He he knows that Maud got pregnant. Mm-hmm. He knows mm-hmm. um, just kind of what the dude is thinking at certain times. Yeah, yeah, and I it, I think that he could be kind of his idea of how God works is just like, hey man. It's all good. Like, or, or at least maybe the kind of his rendition of who he hopes God is, is this chill, hey, man, keep doing what you're doing. I'll see you around. Love getting to interact with your life here and there or whatever. And him, he kind of smiles. and mm-hmm. Like you like you said, Chris, where the dude says the dude abides, and then Sam Elliott looks at the camera and is kind of smirks and is like, yeah, the dude abides. Kind of like this, yeah, there you go. Uh <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think that's kind of the whole the whole meaning of this movie is that not that life is necessarily meaningless, which is but rather that life is un- it's unexpected. There is no 2 plus 2 equals 4 in life. There isn't a well if mm-hmm. you're always nice to people, then good will come back to you. Uh, or if you're mean to people, then you will only bad things will happen. Like the Big Lebowski is kind of a piece of shit, and he's this super duper wealthy guy, even though he's kind of riding off of the wealth of his his late wife and his daughter. But he's still like very wealthy, um, and the dude is is really when you boil it down is really this like is this sweetheart, and he keeps getting mm-hmm. just thrust into these situations where it's all his fault, and all he wants to do is just get his rug, you know. Uh, so I think that the kind of the whole point of it is, is that, Hey, life keeps happening and we keep living. I kind of think you're, uh, I think that theme carries with the nihilists as well, Mm. because, you know, they go through this whole thing, intimidating and, you know, with the dirt bikes, picking up the, the dead drop and it's mailing the toe they have been the intimidators the entire time. And at, at the uh, climax of the film, when they realized that there was no, never any money and they know that they don't have money, and they were like, well, we were supposed to get a million dollars. This isn't fair. We're like, yeah. you're the nihilist. You're supposed to realize this. Yeah. It's not fair. And it, that's how it goes. It's life, baby. Just, that's it ain't that's fair. good, Chris. Good, right. good, good catch on that. I didn't even include the nihilist. That's so good. And it, yeah, the, the nihilist in the end are are talking about fairness, with which is the most oxy, oxymoronical thing. Like if you are a nihilist, you recognize that the world is trying to eat you and doesn't take prisoners, and that's just how it is. So we're gonna get drunk and pass out in a pool because what's the point? Right, right. <laughs> I I like. I like those two uh, like interpretations of it. I was kind of thinking that uh, maybe not so much like a message, but just like at the end of the movie, we're at least supposed to be satisfied with that. We've seen growth in both like the dude and in Walter and that through this, while this wasn't like Walter's story, he was definitely thrown into it with the dude in, in certain uh, scenarios. And at the end of it, after Donnie's, uh, funeral the dude kind of blows mm-hmm. up on him a little bit and he kind of is able to i, I mean I, he's he definitely still has some like a chip on his shoulder about nom but he's not i think he kind of has some sort of resolution on it and he realizes he doesn't need to bring everything in his life back to that 
And so I think he kind of has, I won't say closure, but some sort of uh, relief to where he doesn't have to bring it up so much. And he can still just live his life without, like he live his life as Walter, not as Walter, the mm. veteran. And so I feel like he gets a little bit of closure on that. And also the dude, as we see, he's just kind of like this bum, but at least we see he finally completed something. He solved this whole hostage case with the big Lebowski. Like he, he was the one that put, he connected all the dots. So he actually completed something. While I don't think he got a rug back. Is that right? He, he still didn't no. get a rug, but he at least, you know, on an intellectual sense was able to, complete this puzzle and so i i, I that's kind of like what i got out of this is that like okay we see these two people that did grow a little bit at the end of the movie even if he did fall into completing the puzzle like very ass backwards yes <laughs> <laughs> and he still confronted him about it and but then john goodman went the wrong way and making a handicapped person <laughs> try to say um, no i really one. thought that that was the, again in, in classic coen brothers fashion whenever john gilman picks him i was like man i know a cripple when i see one he ain't no like, come here stand up and it's actually you know the poor guy actually has a, a messed up spine or whatever it was uh like r- remind me and again i'm totally blanking how does it how does the movie end again does it just end with it ends with sam elliott talking into the camera right yeah yeah they're at the bowling alley bar and sam's talking to the dude and then the dude walks back to go bowling again yeah it ends with the dude abides kind of (laughs) session i think that's right uh yeah yeah i sure hope he makes it to that bowling championship right 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 right, yeah yeah. (laughs) which is yeah there there you go Uh, it's which is I, i don't know why i was surprised at that ending like i that i was expecting some sort of resolution because at least, as far as I'm aware, I think I've only seen two other Coen Brothers movies in O oh Brother, Where Art Thou? and No Country for Old Men, which, uh, mm. again, if you're listening and you haven't seen those two movies, spoiler alert, just like fast forward 10 seconds or something real fast. Both of those movies end with like a cliffhanger. Someone walks off into the distance or there is no resolution on both of them. There's something left hanging. Uh, and so I don't know why I was surprised at this because that feels very Coen Brothers to kind of be, hey, you know what? We're not going to give you anything to hang your hat on. You're just going to have to to blow in the wind because the dude abides. You have to chew this over. So I watched a interview with the Coen Brothers and they were talking about their ideas and when they wanted to make the movie earlier before they made Fargo. But they were kind of worried because some of the, a couple of the other movies, like Barton Fink before that, didn't perform so well. So they were saying, like, all right, we need to get our feet back under us in terms of, like, mm-hmm. Hollywood respectability and all that. And so they made Fargo first. And they were like, well, if Fargo worked, and that was a really weird movie, let's just dive in with this Big Lebowski idea. And, you know, they just ran with it. And, you know, they said themselves well the plot doesn't really make sense it doesn't have a good ending but in this sense it doesn't matter because it's all a part of the larger theme of the movie of you know everything we've already been over about it doesn't matter kind of the nihilist kind of viewpoint or you know it just the whole mm. point of the movie is that the dude abides it's a it's about a it's about a theme not necessarily a plot oh i like yeah. that it's 
I think that makes I perfect like that. sense. That kind of yeah. The more we talk about it, the more I'm like, okay, Cohen Brothers, I see what you're trying to do there. I see what you're doing. Um, a couple other. This is uh, the the thing that kept getting to me during the movie is the fact that the dude doesn't have a job, uh, and yet he's able to. <laughs> I mean, he's living kind of in a not, not the nicest apartment, but he still owns an apartment and apparently is still paying rent, and the and he's late. He's, but he's late, late, but the he's landlord late. is apparently really good friends with him enough to invite him to his dance recital. Uh, but he's like, I, th- I think that's just the thing. The dude's able to just ride on his dude charm, and he's able to be like, oh yeah, don't worry, we'll get it to you eventually. And he, pro- I, I bet you he does some like odd jobs or something for for Walter. Yeah, or something that, like what's that. what's funny is in the original the original draft of the script. The dude's income was apparently the heir to the Rubik's Cube fortune. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> what? I don't Why know. Did they leave maybe that out? I that's don't amazing. know. It's, maybe that's just something for people to dig up. I'm not sure. But he I, he said all of the stuff that uh, whenever he had uh, helped <laughs> helped this uh, this famous artist conceive uh, Julianne Moore's character. Uh, but, uh, he's, what'd he say? He was a roadie for Metallica and he, all of this stuff that oh, he yeah. apparently had this like an incredible past. He was a part and of the Seattle seven. He was part of the Seattle seven, which apparently the guy that <laughs> the dude is based off of was also part of the Seattle seven. I think he was also a, an anti-war yeah. person. Jeff Dowd is the name that I found who was helped the Coen brothers distribute their very first film, uh, Blood Simple, back in uh, 1984. And uh, another character that's based off of real people is Walter. He's kind of a composite of a couple different people. But um, Hmm. the main guy that inspired it, and his name is escaping me, so if someone wants to look this up while I'm babbling, he also, in some part, (laughs) inspired the story because this guy came over to the Cohen's house and he was telling this totally mundane story about this uh, rug that he found at a thrift store and it just really tied the room together. And he just (laughs) (laughs) rambled on and on for hours about this stupid rug and they were like, okay, well this is kind of a funny plot point to to write into the film. Let's see, it was, uh, according to what I found, um, Peter Exline, does that sound familiar? He he was a consultant for the film. Uh, He was the a screenwriting consultant and a film professor at USC, good friend of the Coens, and uh, he had a he had a rug in his living room, and he said it tied the room together. And he also apparently found a child's homework in his car after it had been stolen, which is how they got that homework scene. Yes, yes. Which, which, by <laughs> the way, help me. Okay, I'm still lost on this part. The dude's car was stolen. He finds Larry's homework. And then they go to Larry's house thinking that he has the money. But did Larry actually have yeah. the money? He didn't have the money. because No, he there was never well, there any was money never because any it money. was the phone books and the... So he just... Why didn't he say anything? Just a dumb kid that just didn't want to say... Just a stonewalling him. Just for the heck of it. He's like, I found this thing of, of uh, suitcase full of phone books or whatever. That is so funny. Yeah, I think he just... Admit nothing, deny yeah. everything. And don't feel don't feel dumb because I had to ask Chris if he could explain that to me again. But yeah, he just stole yeah. the car as like a joyride, 
and he literally had no connection to anyone else. I just like love it. I had, to, I had to ask Rachel the same thing. I was like, wait, wait. Like, the dude literally goes over it at the end of the film. And I was just like, wait, wait, Rachel. Say that one more time. And she's like, well, Chris, Rachel's my wife, by the way. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> but, like, to, to, to go over it and be like, wait, wait, wait. Say that one more time. She's like, okay, here's how it went. Yeah, like, okay, they didn't have the money. It was all a big trick. The dude is on to him. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Um. Last fun fact I have that I had that I dug up was apparently Jeff Bridges has a band that he started and they are called the Abiders, named after the phrase the dude abides. Oh, love, uh, love that. I didn't love I, that's that. something again, that's probably my fun favorite fun fact where I just happened to be sifting through all these articles and I was like, Oh my gosh, no way. Uh but that just that feels very that feels very <laughs> Jeff Bridges and the dude doing something. Be like, hey, it's the bo- it's it's definitely a it's definitely a Bob Dylan cover oh band. Oh my right? gosh, I hope so. Oh, I hope so. Oh, it has to be. Good gracious, I, I wonder if Jeff Bridges can make a Bob Dylan impression. I wonder if that's even possible. The they gonna say I don't know if Jeff Bridges can get this high. That's my Bob Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's good. I I read a I saw a fun fact um, while I was researching this too, and they were it was in that same interview with the Coens, they were talking about how Bridges didn't really need any direction uh, in terms of like how to act for the dude. They would basically be like, he would say, "Do you think do you think the dude would have burned one on the way on the <laughs> way here?" They would say, "Yeah, I think so." So he'd rub his eyes to make it look like he'd smoked. And then, uh, <laughs> and then the total opposite of that was Sam Elliott, where he was going up to the Coens. He was like, guys, I don't even know why I'm in this movie. <laughs> like, what am I doing here? <laughs> and they didn't have an answer for him. They're just like, look, just we like your voice. Listen, you're Sam Elliott. You've got a voice. Listen, you're just going to be his guardian angel. It's no big deal. Exactly. I love <laughs> that. Like, like, guys, Dude, apparent, also, apparently, the, the dude's clothing was mostly Jeff Bridges' clothing. Like, the, the jellies, his shoes, were Jeff Bridges' shoes. He just he just essentially wore his own That's wardrobe for, the, for this That's movie. That's amazing. He was clearly was. I can't imagine anybody playing this role better than Jeff Bridges, honestly. Like, he just is the right... He's the right size. He's the right kind of feel and look. Like, his, his voice has the mm-hmm. right texture for it. I don't know. You know, sometimes there's just a, the right man mm, for his time. There you go. Yeah. There yeah. you go. Oh my gosh. Uh, sorry. Uh, the uh, any other uh, favorite favorite scenes? I know we kind of jumped around. Any other comments on the meaning of this movie? No, not for me. Those are good, y'all. That was that was good, y'all. Uh, that was good. As always, we have to have to have the conversation on whether or not. The Big Lebowski needs or should have, even if it doesn't need one. Obviously, this movie is wonderful and can I know that this movie can stand on its own because it does. But should or could this movie have a sequel? And if so, what would it look like? I'm going to say no. Okay. Uh, I, I think this movie's fine on its own and I, I can't see how you could do a sequel. Now, I would love, I wouldn't mind seeing. Uh, these characters uh jeff lebowski and walter like together in like other weird situations but i just i just can't see there being another uh, a sequel uh, i don't know what you guys think i agree i don't think it needs a sequel mm. 
Um, it's just, it's so perfect as a standalone film and it has its own ethos around it and everything. I did find out that there is a spinoff that came Ooh. out this year, 2020. What? Uh, I think it was like a, an indie film, but it was written and directed by John Totoro. Oh, wow. Uh, and it was called The Jesus Rolls. <laughs> oh my gosh, no way. Oh, I think I remember I'll seeing that I'll be honest, I watched the... I watched the, the the trailer and it didn't look great, but I'll probably eventually watch it. That's so funny. That's fantastic. I know I know that the uh, that Jeff Bridges reprised his role as the dude for a Stella Artois uh, commercial, where oh yeah, oh, I remember that. I think that was a Super Bowl commercial. Where he comes in yeah. and he they say White Rush. He goes, oh, give me a Stella Artos or whatever he said. <laughs> uh, it was something just so the dude and he sat down and then it was. Uh, Sarah Jessica Parker played, uh, oh gosh, what did she play? Was it Aaron Brockovich? Is that the movie that she's in? Or is that, I forget. But she played some sort of role in some movie and she, there, there's a, a drink that she usually drinks. Man, there's probably a listener out there that's like, this is so obvious. Whatever movie I'm talking about, guys, <laughs> tweet us, email us, whatever. Like, let, let me know what, what this movie is because I can't for the life of me figure it out. Yeah, as soon as I hit the record button, my brain spills out of my ears. So, yeah, I, I yeah. understand. Yeah, this, it's so relaxing, man. I'm telling you, if there's anything that makes me feel more like the dude than anything else, it's doing this pod because I just kind of am like, man, like, that's just like your opinion, man. I just kind of <laughs> melt into my chair. It's the best. Uh, Levi, I, uh, what do you say about sequels? I'm going to say... Yes, but only like half of a yes. I okay, want. A year. Do what? <laughs> <laughs> say wait. Say that again, Brooker. A year. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> a year. Um, I don't know why that made me laugh. But that's just funny. <laughs> um, I want. I want a mini. A mini sode. Uh, okay. Like, just do like a a little fifteen twenty. You know what, 30... Like a, like a, like, like a student sh- film. <laughs> yeah, like a student film, like a 30-minute 30, 30 max little short film of the conclusion of the bowling tournament. Oh, yes. I, I want to... That would clean up Sundance. That would. If they come Oh, my gosh, that. 100%. I 1,000% agree. If they got Jeff Bridges... And, and if they got uh, Jeff Bridges actually to play the dude again... And they could get uh, John Goodman back to actually play, and maybe you have like a, uh, you have like the Folgers can. Yes, yes, <laughs> the Folgers can, and maybe you have like a, like, uh, Steve Buscemi as like a like a, a see through angel up in the right hand corner. Force Ghost like Steve force, Buscemi. Force Ghost Steve Buscemi with his arm around Force Ghost Nate uh, up in the top right corner. <laughs> I mean, I'd be into it. I, I agree, Chris. I think that it, it could win a lot of short film awards if somebody, if the Coen brothers said, you know what, we got a free two weeks. Let's put together a quick, t- you know, 15-minute film. Shoot, I could make it a seven-minute film, Coen brothers. Just take a <sighs> two or three weeks, seven-minute quick film, one one or two you know quick shots. Just make it Just a YouTube video. Just make it a YouTube video. video. Why not? You've got the technology. <laughs> you don't need to do, like, a weird, like, running, like, the the – the camera work running alongside we've got the tech we've got 2020 tech we don't need to use that 1998 camera work we can make this happen i really really love that i'm with you i really 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 do think we can make this happen uh any other thoughts on this movie there's obviously a lot to it any other uh 
thoughts before we 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 start to simmer down this movie is just fantastic i'm definitely going to be re-watching this and just i loved just one last thing that i forgot to mention that i loved was when one the was when uh walter threw his bowling ball at the chest of one of the nihilists and just like crushed his rib cage <laughs> amazing way to go walter <laughs> um i think that was flea i think that was shut up flea no from way the peppers I think he's the one that took the shot. <laughs> oh, that's cool. He took the shot. <laughs> he took the shot. Yeah, before we close it down, I'm curious, how often have y'all been bowling in your life? Are you guys relatively decent bowlers? Like once or twice a yeah, year. Same. I'll be lucky if I hit 100. Oh, yeah, really? <laughs> What's, what, what do you think your top score that you've ever gotten is? Ever. Like 120. And I probably did the Jesus dance <laughs> after I hit There you go. Time. I think what I about probably you, the top I did was like maybe like 115 like once but yeah I'd mo- I mostly I'm there just to like have like a pitcher of beer and throw a ball down, down oh sure, sure, sure <laughs> down sure. the hallway that's all I'm there to you. do 100%. any turkeys y'all get any turkeys <laughs> never even got <laughs> <laughs> I my my grandfather used to bowl uh a lot my grandfather on my mom's side and uh when we were little and he he lives he lived in North Dakota uh, most of my life, moved down to Florida recently uh, when he retired. But he would take us uh, bowling when, if he would be in town, which would be not a lot, but every once in a while. And uh, he would teach us some trades. I The best game I've ever bowled was, oh gosh, I got like a 180-something one time jesus i've i've never i've never broken 200 i have gotten quite a few turkeys before i got one what do they what do they call it a donkey four in a row i've gotten a donkey a couple times once or twice i've never even seen that happen. yeah it's i've got a i've got a couple buddies who are really really good at bowling i haven't i've only been bowling with them once and there's a, a friend of mine who averages about what i do but a little bit more he'll do like 190 200 i got another buddy who's who almost rolled a perfect game and he went like up like 270 280 something was like his best ever. I know it's insane. I don't know how you have the skill. I mean, you have to you have to practice. I don't have the wrists for it, man. I got weak wrists. I don't, I don't have the wrists for it. I couldn't do it, man. I, I can't. You've got This is a sport that people smoke cigarettes do while they're playing. I, I I, I, yeah, that. but their wrists it is barely a sport. I mean, yeah, like you said, smoking, drinking. Oh, man. I bet you we got qualify. one person listening that is going to f- hunt you down, Chris, and be like, it is a sport. You have any medals I've won for bowling? I'm going to kill you. <laughs> like, I got a Gatorade sponsorship. Uh, I, I, gosh, Gatorade I mean, there's some people who make mad money bowling. Uh, like, it crack, yeah, it cracks me up. You've seen these people. I got I a mean, Virginia Slim sponsorship. I always got to smoke those. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> It's very funny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my gosh! Any final thoughts? This movie's awesome. Everyone should should see it. Chris, what about you, man? The dude abides. The dude, the dude abides. The dude abides. The dude abides. Chris, dude, thank you so much for for joining us, man. You added so much to this. I love having a guest on, and you clearly have a, a very uh, personal relationship with this movie. So you were obviously the most uh, qualified to join us on this pod. Thank you so much, dude. All right, dude. Thank you so much. And thank you, all. thank you all so much for having me. It's it's been a, it's been a great one. This is my first time being on a podcast. I had a dude. You're a natural. I figured that you do this every single weekend. <laughs> <laughs>
Also, oh, hey, man. oh my God. <laughs> also, special shout out to Courtney. Courtney, you're the best. She didn't even, we, we like to give people shout outs for like Instagram pages or projects they're doing. And she was like, nope, I just want to, just wanted to get on y'all's pod and, and uh, hear, hear y'all give me a shout out. Like she's, she's wonderful. So thank you, Courtney, for, for continuing to give us a listen. And, and, uh, this is this is your shout out courtney you're amazing uh if uh if this is your first time listening to us we really appreciate the the download uh uh, we would love it if you shared us with your friends and your family people that you know your your bowling buddies uh (laughs) anyone who's who's willing to give us a listen you can find us on uh essentially anywhere you can get podcasts google podcast itunes stitcher uh, just give us a Spotify. Give us a listen. Um, we are st- we are still in the middle of our uh, our suggestions month, and next week we are going to be looking at <gasps> Max Keeble's big move. <laughs> yeah, let's and go. I am I am weirdly <laughs> excited to do that one. I, so, but y'all, the dude, like like Chris said, the dude abides. Keep 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 being awesome. <laughs> Bye. See you guys next week.